Welcome to the Edge Youth Podcast. This is a place where we get to connect with our students or anyone who would like to hear some biblical inspiration throughout their week. Whether you are here to listen to a sermon from youth service, a lesson from our youth class, or even a hot topic conversation, I hope and pray that you will benefit from the content and that you will be blessed. How's it going? Vaughn, how are you? All right. I'm going to read from Romans 6, verse 21, if you want to turn there. Talking about the fruit of sin today. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. I'm going to read two other translations as well. What benefit did you reap at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. And then one more. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. The news this week has once again drawn my attention to the power that sin has to destroy, to wound, to demolish, to obliterate, and to annihilate people. Sin has the ability to destroy families, marriages, reputations, character, and all that is good in our life. More and more we should realize that we cannot manage our sin in any form or any fashion, and I strongly believe that we should all be terrified of sin. Some would certainly disagree with me on this note, but a healthy regard for sin keeps great boundaries in our spirit. I looked up a couple quotes on sin that I thought would be helpful. Hey, Eric. Hey, how's it going? Good. Sin wouldn't be so attractive if the wages were paid immediately. You see, a lot of sin sounds like a good idea at the time. And what we don't realize is each action has an opposite equal reaction. You can control your actions, but you can't control the reaction to your actions. So you don't always know what one little sin might do uh, at the point you're committing it. Another quote is, The follies of youth become the vices of manhood and the disgrace of old age. Another quote says, If there is no sorrow for sin, there will be no joy in salvation. What's fun now could be destructive later. Another quote says, Oh, better were it for you to die in jail in a ditch in a dungeon than to die in your sins. A couple more here. It may be a secret sin on earth, but it is an open scandal in heaven. Sin is like the poison of a mamba snake. It is exceedingly deadly. It kills every, every sin. If permitted, it will become imperious in its demands, and every lust will aim at its maximum expression. Sin is like the devil, its originator. It is limitless in its capacity for evil. You'll never be able to speak against sin if you're entertained by it. Another quote says, Let no man think to kill sin with a few easy or gentle strokes. He who hath once smitten a serpent, if he follows not on his blow until it be slain, may repent that ever he began the quarrel. And so he who undertakes to deal with sin and pursues it not constantly to death. Two more here. Sin goes in a disguise and thence is welcome like Judas. It kisses and kills like Joab. It salutes and slays. Sin, the devil for its father, shame for its companion, and death for its wages.
See, a lot of times sin is like a sucker punch. One minute everything is fine, fun, and happy, and then boom, it hits you. There's a book out there called Poison by Sarah Poole that falls in the category of historical fiction. It is set in the 1490s and surrounds a young woman who, after death of her father, who served a cardinal of the Catholic Church, becomes the official poisoner of that same cardinal. While the author does her imagination to a degree, Pope Innocent did die under mysterious circumstances. Some believe that he was poisoned by a rival cardinal who wanted to be the next pope. But the uniqueness of this story is how these men and women who were employed as official poisoners that were astute when it came to dealing with various plants, herbs, and diverse chemicals that could be turned into poisons. Then they would use different ways to get poison into the body of the person that they were called on to assassinate. While I was reading this book, it occurred to me that the poisoner would use, would be, would be able to get into the good graces of the people that they were going to kill. Then once he had had the confidence of that person, they would kill them viciously without remorse. Sin works in that same way. It gains our attention, it calls to our confidence, and then it strikes like a deadly snake. James 1, 14 through 16 says, But every person is tempted when he is drawn away, enticed and baited by his own evil desire, lusts and passions. Then the evil desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully matured, brings forth death. Do not be misled, my beloved brethren. Romans 6 is where the Apostle Paul writes to the Roman church about the matter of dying to live. Dying to our sin, dying to our lust, dying to our flesh, but dying to live a life of victory and power over our sin. Paul uses Romans 6 to reinforce the whole concept of what we allow to rule us, sin or righteousness. That is what we are going to be a slave of. But the one who has been born of the water and spirit is described early in Romans 6 in this way. Romans 6, verses 3 through 7, Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likenesses, likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. We are dead to sin. But now this new man, the new creature, has an awareness of sin that he did not have prior to this conversion. By the time that Paul gets to Romans 6.21, he is urging the reader to take a look at sin. Take a calculation of sin to see if it was profit or loss in our lives. Paul describes this in the text and concludes that sin is a loss. Romans 6.21 again says, What fruit had ye then in those things? What fruit had ye then in those things? The text draws out the first thing I can see about sin, the compensation of sin, fruit. Then did sin produce wonderful results or not? This is a good question to ask before we do anything. Sin promises great results but never delivers. The benefits of sinning are fruits one does not want. They produce defective fruit, contaminated fruit, and rotten fruit. Take a good look at the fruit of sin and see for yourself what kind of fruit it produces. There was a harvest that sinful life brought, 
look back at those things that were going prior to the conversion. Some of that is even present in this youth group in this church right now. Sin ignored the word of the word in the ways of God. Sin was ungrateful. Sin rebelled against the goodness of God. Sin caused people to be children of the devil. Sin led to misery, frustration, and hopelessness. Sinners lived under its tyranny. Sin controls the mind, Romans 1.21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Sin controlled the emotions. John 3.19-21 through 21 says, And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they were wrought out in God. Sin controlled the will. Jeremiah 44, 15 through 17 says, Then all men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods, and all the women that stood by a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt, and Pathros answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us, the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee, but we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth, to burn incense under the queen of heaven, and to pour out drinks, offerings unto her. The fruit of sin is horrific, and here's what it looks like. It is a drunk husband beating a defenseless wife or child. It is a raging, cursing man who cannot be satisfied within their own life. It is someone who is embezzling money from a company or employer who believes in them. And it is a demon-possessed person who cannot escape the torment of soul that steals sleep from their eyes and peace from their soul. It is a wayward spouse destroying the trust of the one they were once committed to. It is a rebellious child destroying the life of concerned parents. It is a grandparent having to raise another child that their own child cannot be, cannot be a responsible parent. It is a mind that is to be controlled with some drug so that they can cope. It is a person giving to some secret life that is waiting to be exposed. It is a teenager dabbling around in witchcraft. It is an, an obsession with some lust, some trinket, some secret that is going to destroy our lives. That is the fruit of sin. It looks so enticing, so appealing. It can make you wise. It can make you like God. His is a serpent. The fruit that ultimately brings a prison that you will not be able to break out of. Paul is warning that it, it is the kind of fruit that brings sin into your life, but the devil never plays fair. In other words, the devil always makes sin sound better than it actually is. Eat from the tree, Eve, and you'll become like gods. But that's not how it went down. Romans 6.21, Whereof ye are now ashamed. The first thing that sins bring out is compensation, fruit. But the next, second thing is revealed in this verse, the contempt of sin. Just recently, I thought of some values that we do not hear mentioned very often in our society very much. Words that bygone generations described in the character of people. The context of why I was thinking these things was early on in the COVID-19 crisis when I was talking to some of the elders in our church. Their conversations with me prompted me to think about the way they had looked at life 50 or 60 years ago and what they would have done in their late teens or early 20s. 
but sin does not go with any of those values that I thought of. Sin and integrity do not go together. Sin and uprighteousness do not go together. Sin and decency do not go together. Sin and morality do not go together. Sin and virtue do not go together. Sin and godliness do not go together. Sin and honesty do not go together. Sin and honor do not go together. Sin promises much honor, but the only honor it gives is shameful honor. The world may pass laws to legalize the evil deed, but they cannot pass laws to remove the shame and disgrace from the wicked deed. Sin and shame are bedfellows and will always be bedfellows regardless of how society treats sin. Shame eventually comes as a result of sin. That shame may not come till the judgment before God, but there will be the worst shame of all. Paul uses the word ashamed that shows us how that sin and devil want to work against the sinner, to humiliate, to disgrace, a state of embarrassment. Sin has great contempt for you and me after the act, but it never shows you that until after you have followed through with the act. Then the fallout goes on and on, and we can hardly hold up our head. Shame is an awful burden for anyone to have to carry, but that is what sin ultimately has for all of us who are sinners, complete, utter contempt for those who practice sin. Those things, again in Romans 6.21, those things you can see repeated. The first thing that sin brings out is a compensation, and the second thing is revealed in this verse is the contempt of sin. Ye are now ashamed, but we come to a third matter, the character of sin. Those things, those things. Twice in our text, the two-word combination, those things, appears. This refers back to the previous verse in Romans 6.19, where Paul describes in the summary those things as uncleanliness and iniquity. Romans 6.19 says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Uncleanliness speaks of the moral pollution and iniquity speaks of the general lawlessness. Sin is dirty and does not obey laws. Those are God's moral laws, not men's laws, which often support iniquity, drunkenness, abortion, homosexuality, Man's laws are often created in a way that gives him some way to relieve a troubled conscience. Sin pushed and pushed until it was almost appear as child's play. Man's laws do not tell you how serious sin is. What does man do? He makes laws that will cover up the uncleanness and iniquity that God condemns. Man's laws want to play word games with God's laws that has been established in his inerrant word. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 10 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure and enlightening in the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteousness together. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. There is no profit in breaking God's laws. There is divine punishment, but not for profit, but for iniquity. God will hold man accountable for his sin. In fact, it looks as if our society is going to be in for an absolute awakening to the depth of sin that some of the elites in this world have been involved in over the last several years. 
Romans 6, 21, towards the end of the verse says, The end of those things is death. For the end of those things is death. The first thing that sin brings out in compensation, fruit. And the second thing is revealed in this verse is the contempt of sin. Ye are now ashamed. The third matter is given the char- in the character of sin. Those things, those things. The last thing we gather from this verse The last thing that we gather from this verse is the sin, which is death. It is the final end, and the fulfillment of, Seth will, of sin will be death. The death refers here primarily to the spiritual death, which is eternal in eternity in hellfire. But it can also refer to a physical death. For many die early in life because they're sinful conduct. We need to consider the end of the wicked lifestyle. We all come to the end sooner or later. Life is not forever. Eternity is, but not life on this earth. What will the end be like when you have lived a life of sin? Some laugh at this question and say they will go to hell, but, but all their friends will be in hell. But only a fool will think that it will be a grand old time. The friends of the wicked will doubtlessly end up in hell, but you will not see them in there or enjoy any fellowship with them there. You will be in too much torment to enjoy anything, and that torment will never end. That is the end of the way of sin. The saints at Rome turned from sinning philosophy of life to Jesus Christ, and they will have a different end, which is not death, but life. Romans 6.16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6.21, What fruit had ye in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The words of Paul should cause every one of us to be terrified of sin and impact that it has on our bodies, minds, and souls. The spiritual man wilts down because of sin. It isolates us from God and will ultimately cost us eternal death. If I were to simply leave you at the point where the fruit of sin, the humiliation of sin, and the doom of sin were the end of this message or lesson, then I would not be doing my job as a teacher. There is a Christ who carried a cross, carried the weight of sin to the world, and who drank the bitter cup for our salvation. It is a matter of true repentance, turning away from the sin that you are practicing, repenting of it, and turning to the Lord at the cross. Thank you. Mm-hmm.